0: human first everything else after welcome to what's betwixt us stories of working while human i'm lisa mandel what's betwixt us is a series of conversations about empathy at work at work it's about diving into the messiness and the specificity of being human on the job any job and how empathy isn't just a nice-sounding buzzword for company PR. It's a rebellious act of remembering that we're human first, everything else after. Today on What's Betwixt Us, I chat with stage manager, Northwestern University professor, and activist Barbara Butts. Barbara, who is a mentor and favorite of mine in college, shares a wealth of wisdom on honest communication, liaising with difficult people, and reading and leading the room with diplomacy and finesse. Listen in for her quotable gems on facilitation and patience. She's going to be one of your favorites, too. Please enjoy Episode 5, Empathy in the Wings and the Classroom, with Barbara Butts. Well, hello, Barbara Butts. Welcome to What's Betwixt Us, um, the podcast about empathy at work. I would love for you to tell the listeners um, what it is you do, however you like to explain it, however large or small the nutshell.
1: Cool, thanks. Hey, nice to see you, Radiant Human. Uh, My name is Barbara Butts, and currently I teach uh, production and stage management at Northwestern University. I have a long career uh, of stage managing professionally, 17 years, uh, which is amazing since I'm only 12, (laughs) right? Magic. (laughs) Yes, magic. (laughs) And I uh, volunteer for a fantastic organization called the All-Stars Project of America. And if you don't know that, it's a national organization that helps brown and black youth uh, throughout the nation through performance. So it's awesome get to know that and uh, I'm a parent. I have a 21 year old And I'm only 12
0: Wow again, the magic of science kind of just transcending it um, It sounds like all of those things uh, if I could guess uh, require quite a bit of empathy on your part and patience and compassion and so um, I uh, I would like to begin with, with uh, theater, if that's okay, uh, because it's an area that, that I know something about as well. And for the listeners, uh, Barbara was my professor and mentor when I was in college. Um,
1: when you were three.
0: When I was three, right? Five months ago. Um, <laughs> and you blew my mind. Um, and especially as someone who turned out to be like an actor, wanted to be an actor all along, you actually made um, the production side of it and the stage management side of it so compelling to me, which is also magic. Um, And as I mentioned, when I was talking to you earlier, um, one of the things that really stood out to me about your teaching was your perspective of when in doubt, if there's a, a disagreement or a discussion or an issue, just have the conversation. So I wonder if you could speak a little bit about where that came from, um, because it was so important to my education. Sure.
1: And thanks, thanks, that's really nice. Uh, I'll send you a check later. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I have to say that uh, when I first started out, I was terrible. I was the worst stage manager in the world. Really, I was. How and- so? Uh okay so in high school I don't know it was by mistake I, someone asked me to be a stage manager and you know my fair lady mm-hmm. where they had the scene where they're talking in the dark in the in the office in my production they were always talking in the light because I was like why would anyone want to talk in the dark <laughs> but I was also really bad at people and uh And one of the things that I've just recently done is uh, I've reached out to my former professor who wrote me a letter of rec. And in that uh, letter, uh, there was one sentence that said, she has all this great skill, but she's really bad with people. And I was like, oh, my God. And I framed that letter. And for two years, I looked at it. And I thought about it every day and it allowed me to watch my own uh, behavior and how I interacted with people. So I think that that brave step of someone just actually having conversations with me about how I influence people um, was where I started to become self-aware and also just like part of the magic. You just have to listen. You just have to, if you see something that is as um, a problem, we'll say, we'll name it a problem. It's probably just lack of communication, right? And we're all afraid, we're afraid. So if you're just brave enough to be yourself and be vulnerable and reach out and think of yourself as a person, that's where that magic came from. That letter from my professor long ago.
0: That's incredible. So it came from a place of somebody actually offering you a critique that you were able to really hear. Um, and then it made you blossom into this incredible communicator a truly incredible communicator. And I think um, I wanna step back just a moment because I take for granted that I know what stage management is, but there are people of all different kinds listening to this. So if you could kind of explain what, what that role entails in theater.
1: Oh my gosh, there's a national conversation right now about <laughs> what that really means. Really? Uh, Yeah, there really is, Um, because so many people don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you want to check it out in more detail, that's uh, Year of the Stage Manager 2021. You can jump in. That's all sorts of people having that conversation. But for me, a stage manager is a person that is in a room that's creative. It might be a play. It might be performance art. Who knows what the box is going to, the container is going to be but it's actually the person in the room who tries to capture all the information, sure everything is communicated and really supports every person in the team, does a whole lot of problem solving. And at the end of the day is kind of like the lifeguard, the friend, the manager, all of these things that um, just come with the job.
0: I mean, it's a huge, massive, massive organizational role, um, also liaising. Uh, which is a major part of it. And I think that a lot of stage managers uh, that I've worked with kind of miss that piece of the liaising and they, they only stick to the organization of it. But um, I think it's, it's even more difficult than, than most stage managers are given credit for because working with creatives, a variety of personalities can bring in, uh, especially emotional creatives, can bring in um, a lot of, unforeseen things that, that, um, that are very personal, that aren't just professional. So I wonder if you don't mind, and you don't have to ever name any names, if you could speak to um, one or two difficult uh, or challenging experiences that you've had in your professional life as a stage manager um, where you've been able to sort it out using your soft skills, using your empathy.
1: Sure. Um us see, since I'm 12, I have right. very few experiences. <laughs> to I
0: go like past life to dig it up. <laughs>
1: um, I will say I was known in the business for working for with difficult personalities. So I often <laughs> got them, right? <laughs> uh, and, you know, I can remember working one time with a director who, who, who was super talented, right? But sometimes that comes with a lot of bad behavior. Mm -hmm. And the directors said to me, listen, uh, I'm going to break down these actors and make them come home and call me daddy. And I was like, oh my goodness, where am I? I'm I'm in a place that I don't know and I don't particularly love, right? So then uh, he proceeded to tell me that he would never break down a schedule. He would never allow me to call, actors had to sit every day in that rehearsal. They had to do all of these things that were really not helpful to actors, right, or humans or parents or mm-hmm. any of that. And so I asked myself, like, what could I do? How can I personally help this situation? And I decided that um, I was gonna be honest. So I think that's part of the deal. So when you call, when I, you get my call and be like, hi, Lissa, we're working with director X and you know him. And this is what he's expressed, that he will never like allow you to leave. You'll sit in the, re- in the lobby and you will be at rehearsal eight hours a day, six days a week. And then I go on to say, but here's what I'd like to offer you, right? I promise you that you won't have any costume fittings outside that time. I promise to help uh, interns uh, run lines, like use that to your advantage. And I am willing, if you do not leave 20 minutes from the area and you have your cell on and I can text you and you can get back in 20 minutes, I am willing to extend myself so that you may leave that room. Just let me know where you're going. And it, made that environment much better for actors. And I think in some ways more stressful for me and in some ways more easy for me because I was creating a team from the moment that we started Mm -hmm. with people who like, we told the truth about where we were and what we could do for each other.
0: Well, I think that's amazing. And it sounds like you, it required a, a real risk on your part and a sacrifice on your part Because should anything have gone awry, scheduling-wise, you would have had to fall on that sword. Um,
1: Exactly.
0: Is that a thing that you feel like stage managers or you as a stage manager have had to do over and over?
1: I, I think there are two different kinds of stage managers. And what I would say is like the old school stage manager that I don't love and I've worked with them is like, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. This is my box of my extension and gratitude, and this is what you get. And then there are people who are stage managers who look at all the different environments Mm -hmm. that they have to work in and they think through, um, everyone that is working together as a team and they extend themselves beyond the box of like, this is solely my job. Right. And at the end of the day, is it a risk Did I sure, I sweated that almost every day and I told myself it was worth it. And I also told myself if I got in trouble, I could call a 10 minute break or a five minute break. Uh, so I had some solutions. Right. Um, and also, uh, for sure my bosses knew what were, what was going on. They just knew. So falling on a sword, mm, no, extending myself. Yes.
0: Uh, I think that's so beautiful I think that's so beautiful um how um because you've worked you've worked in theater you know on many levels and professionally in Chicago quite a bit and uh, I wonder if you could talk to the differences that you notice um in working on a professional show versus working on a a show at, at the university
1: right the environments are different um And actually, I have to say that even though I'm only 12 right now to do a (laughs) professional show, uh, I left because I was bored. I was honestly bored and I didn't want to be the angry, like nasty, stereotypical stage manager and students learning uh, always. I'm never bored, 100 percent. So that's good for me. Students uh, are learning and as long as people in the environment are supportive of learning then um, I think it's a good environment and I think that's the major difference between the university and professional theater. If I walked into the Goodman Theater which I've worked at before and I'm like I'm learning they'll be like uh you don't have time to learn on my watch, right?" right?" right? At a university, I am hopeful that we have time to explore, to make mistakes. I tell my students all the time, and even professional people, I was like, "Mm, perfection is the death of all good things, right? Ah,
0: Talk about that. Please talk more about that.
1: We all want to be perfect when we're managers and leaders, right? And like, it's just, I I I long for the day that, we don't strive for perfection so much that we just strive for like joy and Ah. productivity and doing good work. Like there's so much more things to strive for than perfection. So if we take that away, we take away judgment. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, I I'm hoping students feel safe, right. Mm -hmm. To fail. Because failure is a fantastic teacher. It's the best, right? I failed, how do I, let me examine that. Um, And so with my stage management students uh, at the university I teach at, it is more um, important to me that they learn and they are certainly learning foundation and hard skills. And I think the surprise to them when they leave school and go into the profession is it's the same. Mm -hmm. It's actually the same.
0: Well, that means you're an excellent teacher. <laughs> you really set up the impact. I'll send you
1: a bigger check.
0: <laughs> I mean, I just love everything you're saying because it, it lines up exactly with, you know, the, the work that I'm doing with, um, with Zany, which is this app that's designed to bring uh, authentic human connection and conversations into remote workspaces. So people who might not really know each other, they don't have a context for each other, um, are given these these tools to help um, get to know each other over time, um, which is something that I think you naturally build into what you teach um, and the idea of failure being the best teacher is a part of that right like can you can you allow yourself to be seen and be vulnerable uh, which is especially hard if you 're in a leadership position right because you 're not supposed to have any flaws and one of the things, I don't remember if you said this to me or if someone else in stage management said to me that the best stage manager, you don't even realize they're there because everything moves so smoothly. Do you go by that or do you think that's inaccurate?
1: I, I, I'm going to have to take a pause here <laughs> <laughs> because I'm sure I said that to you, right? <laughs> and we are invisible. We do work that you don't see. And I think maybe that is the value in our work is that we listen And we listen with our, your words, but you only tell, it only means like 7% of what's really going on. And then we listen with your, like what you're saying to us with your body and your tone of voice. And we're trying to suss out and do all these things, even probably long before you talk to us. Mm -hmm. And so I think we are not invisible because we're important to be seen but we are, our work is quiet, right? I teach my students that um, their words are powerful mm-hmm. and we should save a certain amount of them so that they have a larger impact when yes. you gift them to somebody else.
0: Yes. Okay. That's well said. That's well said. Yes. The, few, the fewer words you say, the more important each word becomes.
1: Um, I think so.
0: <laughs> I wonder if, um, and you can extend this example to either to theater or to teaching or both, there have been times when you've really felt empathy extended to you rather than just be the person who, who extends it to others.
1: A hundred percent. And I'm so thankful for it. And, you know, that goes back to seeing your scene uh, in professional theater a few times in really rough situations. I've had colleagues in the room working with me and I'm busy, I'm focused, I'm problem solving, the house is on fire, my pants are on fire, (laughs) everything's on fire. And you know, they just come up to me and they put their hand on my shoulder and they say, you're doing really good work. Mm. And then that moment when everything is on fire, I take a breath and I know like, oh, this is a moment in time when things are on fire, but I am not on fire, (laughs) right? Uh so that even that little tiny connection Mm -hmm. that means so much to me Mm -hmm. uh and then i'll say i don't know if you know this but one of the things i did last year was stage manage my aunt's uh bone marrow transplant oh
0: my gosh Uh, i didn't know tell me tell me everything
1: she's she's fine she's fabulous uh But uh, it meant um, living in a bone marrow transplant center, living in a halfway house, learning how to flush a central line in her heart, all these things that I was not uh, necessarily prepared for. And, you know, just the connection of people reaching out to me whether they were doctors reassuring me that, yes, it was okay for me to burst into tears because my aunt was having this episode. Um, it was all so helpful. And I don't think I would have made it through without a community and human connection.
0: Absolutely. And did you, I mean, can if you don't mind talking about, um, like, did you get other people involved with it? How, how, what were the ways that that those connections like helped you manage
1: it? Sure, Um, you know, uh, sure. There were social workers involved uh, because that makes sense, right? That's a a level. Uh, I had friends, uh, my aunt had friends, so I was a primary caregiver, but there were some times, you know, you can't go 24 seven a whole year without having some time out right? And I have a whole life, right? I have that daughter, I have other things, and I just needed to breathe. So, you know, I had friends who were like, hey, why don't I actually come over and you can go for a walk? And it was just as something as simple as that, Mm -hmm. right? Or just calling and saying, "Um, how are you doing today? Right? And then a lot Mm -hmm. of space for me to say anything that I needed.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. I mean, that's all it takes. I feel like people need reminders especially because empathy has become such a buzzword um, and it's something that that companies want to grab onto and sell. Uh, But it's, it's so simple. Like it, 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 it's comes from a really um, intuitive part of ourselves that I think we often squash, uh, I mean, especially in business, but, um, but it sounds like you had the opportunity to blend your business and your intuitive self in this project i mean i love that you made it a project it's so creative
1: well i love what you just said about how we're all born with it and it is innate i'm a hundred percent sure it's there Mm -hmm. and i'm a hundred percent sure that since it's not rewarded Mm -hmm. right uh that it becomes part of that thing to strive for we don't need to listen to it we don't need to um You don't need to recognize it. And I look forward to a day where I can say, and I do model this for my students. Oh my gosh, look at me. I just made a serious mistake. What should I do about it? (laughs) Can you help me? And they're like, oh yeah, because hopefully I'm modeling for them. Like you can say that you're not on fire. The world continues and maybe the work gets better because you're collaborating with somebody.
0: Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I would love for you to go into a little bit more detail of um, how, when you're speaking to your students, uh, c- can you just lay out for me? Cause you kind of just hinted at it, what you do, where you like give a scenario and then you have people respond. I would love for you to like talk a little bit about that, about your style of teaching and like what the room looks like.
1: Um, first of all, I try not to bore anyone <laughs> because if you teach stage management, it's really easy to bore someone, right? It could be all about the paper. It could right. be all about the things you produce. Right. And I, I try not to do that. Um,
0: you were never boring for me, by the way.
1: Thanks, your check just got bigger. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say I have a couple of different things in my back pocket First of all, we work together collaboratively. Uh, Since I've had you, I've actually learned to put in like a, a statement, an instructor statement, right? I have a statement in my syllabus. The first thing that you're gonna hear from me is like, listen, it's really important to uh, approach this work and understand that maybe this is an unfamiliar part of what you're learning, but to respect all of the different perspectives and points of view in the class and to be able to have open, honest conversation and that I am here to teach you and you are here to teach me and together we learn. So immediately, like I'm hoping there's collaboration. Um, This year my class is also going to look a little different because I'm going to incorporate something called an identity culture box. Mm, Which means the way you introduce yourself is you put three or four things in that box that represent you and you take it out and share over zoom, I'm assuming. Um, But then that brings representation and identity forward. Right. It's another way. It's another deep layer that I can work with you. And then I have uh, written silly things, like I might say, uh, and you'll, I have called questions in a cup, and you draw out a question, and you problem solve it, right, and you get a moment to think about it, and then your classmates get to think about it, and you all come to some conclusion, and if I need to help, I will, but it might be look like, you are the stage manager for the world famous production X, Y, and Z in the Barber Theater. And you're blah, 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 blah. blah. How do you respond? Right. Mm -hmm. So it's problem solving skills. I also, uh, hire an actress to come in and role play with us. So
0: amazing
1: (laughs) live in the moment experience with communication. Um, yeah. And I, I, I don't know, I just try to have the class always think through when they're leading or preparing to leading all of the other people in the room.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do, I, I remember um, it being a small class that I was in with you and that we sat in a circle, we sat at a conference table. So it felt very much like a round table of brainstorming and collaboration rather than a lecture hall. Um, which I really appreciate.
1: Oh, yeah. No, no one wants to hear me talk. <laughs> I don't even want to hear me talk. I'm like, let's work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I love hearing you talk because Buddhist wisdom comes out of your mouth all the time.
1: <laughs> You're funny, and thank you. <laughs>
0: um, if uh, I was wondering if I could ask you about a time uh, at work, either in the university or in the theater, when you felt scared and and or if that's not a a thing that comes up for you at all if you feel in control all the time but like I'm curious because you're often working in situations where things are on fire um how you how you deal with that in the moment
1: hmm uh I think I'm going to use COVID and what and teaching online in the spring please you know I it was hard. Uh, I taught a freshman course that was required, right? Uh, so I did a lot of thinking about what would a r- freshman course look like that was required, because I actually was afraid I was going to create material, a content, a course online for the first time with no experience mm-hmm. um, that my international students could not take without waking up in the middle of the night and going to school and never seeing their parents. I was afraid for their safety. I was afraid for my safety. I was afraid that there was not going to be any deep learning. And I was certainly afraid of the technology that I was going to screw it up all the time. Right. And so I watched some of my colleagues get paralyzed by that fear. Right. And I I offered, I extended myself to some faculty that you might know. And I was like, let me teach you Canvas, right? Let me teach you a few things. Uh, So I got proactive, right? That helped me be less scared. I was like, if I can teach this to someone else, I will get more experience doing it. I actually tried with alumni on Facebook. I was like, I'm gonna teach this interactive class and I want you to all come. And I failed big time and we all learned. Uh, And it was just because of how I tried to set up the material in the technology, right? The class was good, but I failed and that failure taught me so much. And then I was like, well, I've had my big moment in front of important alumni who run this world, and I am not on fire, right? (laughs) And then uh, teaching, you know, I was like, I'm scared. And what I've learned about myself and how I process my fear Mm -hmm. is that before each class that I taught in the spring, I would have to walk, physically move, for 30 minutes to be able to sit down and be focused. Ah, yes. Right? So movement, I would have, I would just get out there. Um, Currently, I'm virtually walking the El Camino, 480 miles, and I have 150 some to go.
0: Wait, can you tell me how that works? Do you have a screen in front of your face and you just walk outside? Well, no. I have
1: maps, right, I can look at. And, uh, Postcards they send me and history about the town. But I promised myself after my aunt, um, that whole experience in lockdown, I would go and walk, right? I would go and just do something really nice for myself. And so I decided after COVID, I needed to keep that up. So virtually I'm doing it, keeping promises to yourself, right? And then in spring, the George Floyd murder happened the day before my last class. Oh, my gosh. And freshmen, right? And people. And there's no roadmap. Right. Not a single roadmap for me. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to be me. Mm -hmm. So I emailed my students and I said, hey, I understand the world is a terrible place right now. You know, we pivoted on a dime, you know, we don't see each other except for on Zoom. We've just had this national, this murder, which is really hard and significant and will change our lives. And I invite you to all come to class and this is how it's going to look. I was like, we're going to take a breath together Mm -hmm. and then we're going to finish class And then we're going to take another breath together and you should know that i believe that black lives matter and that silence is violence and i'm willing to hold a conversation with all of you about whatever you need to say and i won't be perfect but i will make space for us and then we're going to take a breath and we're going to end together and You know, was I afraid? A hundred percent. But was that the right thing to do? A hundred percent, right? And I think fear is an indicator that for me, that I am just afraid. And I would never back away from that. I'm going to have to step into that as a human being. And I think we should all step into it because there's great learning to be learned from it.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Can you just be everybody's teacher (laughs) in the whole world. I just love everything about that. It's so beautiful. And I think there's something so moving about hearing that someone who's an authority figure, like you are to these students, you are an authority figure. And the example you set is one of um, honesty and openness and really respect for their feelings. Not saying that your agenda is more important than what they're going through and it reminds me of um, my junior or senior year, the 2004 election, um, when George W. Bush was reelected. I remember, I mean, obviously, Northwestern is a quite a, a liberal campus, and Chicago is a liberal place, and um, everybody showed up in my English lit lecture wearing black that day. The professor included and we didn't talk about the material at all we just talked about our feelings and i will remember that more than most other classes that i had because that was the important thing to learn that day was that um was that we're ultimately we're all people and we're all experiencing pain and our feelings need to be prioritized over the institution or the system or, or whatever it is so i I just love that you did that thank you.
1: Thanks I mean it's hard and it's hard going into this year too right we have no idea what we're doing yet and I and I'm asking myself the same questions how can I serve my students all of them all of them the most Um, so I've spent the summer really working on training myself and what anti-racist theater might look like and education and also upping communication, doing all sorts of things that hopefully will translate into my classes and be for my students, because honestly, the people that I teach and this is the beauty of what I do. Hey, that's the future. Sure. Like whatever comes out of here and this moment in history, which is super important, they're going to make. And whatever I can do to support them in that would make me super happy.
0: No pressure or anything. No. no, no. <laughs> Just the future. <laughs> how many, um, do you uh, know how many students you'll have in this coming year?
1: I'm going to teach three classes because I'm an overachiever and that's half my <laughs> which I'm wondering is if that's a good thing, but anyway, I've committed to it and one class I will have 30 and that's the freshman required class. And I will also have a a Mm -hmm. co-teacher. And it is all going to be remote because I think that's the safest way. But for me, what I've decided is um, I'm really leaning into, and so happy to have this resource. Um, I don't know if you know anything about intimacy direction, intimacy consent exercises,
0: the reason I know about it is from watching The Deuce, which apparently was the first television show to include an intimacy coordinator, which I think is amazing. Are you talking about that at Northwestern?
1: I'm using it and I've incorporated it in my classes like five years ago. So I'm ahead of the curve because I try current. to stay current. But current. what I'm doing with my classes is we're using consent every day. And what that means is my students and I, have to understand that being physically in a class because that could be an option or being on zoom or participating in other projects is going to follow consent which means it's freely given every day and it's revocable Mm -hmm. so if my students sign up for something and it's not safe or they're not are they're not feeling safe and it is unsafe because there's a difference between feeling unsafe and not comfortable and being unsafe and they can opt out, right? They can opt out freely every day. Mm-hmm. Because, because um, with lack of an overarching institutional policy or communication about what is happening, I'm asking myself as the like individual and frontline person who's responsible every day, right. how I can make it right. And that's how I've chosen to make it right is to lean into that consent.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, Thank you. Thank you for that work. I think you should just be the president. of
1: <laughs> No, thank you. Yeah. But I love a different one.
0: <laughs> I know. Please, anything, I will take a tree, uh, please. Um, I wonder if you could speak to uh, how you've seen, like, the fabric of the student body change over the time in which you, you've taught. If you've seen more empathy, more compassion, better listening, or or if it's remained pretty much consistent?
1: Um, I don't know that I'm going to be right about this, right? If if you're looking for the right answer. Uh, What I will say about it is I have seen a couple of instances lately that have uh, caused me concern right and i think this is just like students trying to do the right thing and we're all trying to do the right thing and we don't know what that is yet right but i've seen students fire other students Mm. from projects and i'm like really uh i've seen in a learning environment that doesn't seem productive like the right answer to me yet uh there's a great uh question among students right now, which I haven't experienced before the past couple of years about who has the right to tell which story and how that story gets told. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a lot of different answers for that and a lot of different thoughts, but it has resulted in, um, I think, call out culture, non-productive call out culture, because that's all it is. I'm gonna call you out. And that's gonna be the end of the conversation. So that doesn't feel right to me, but I, I'm, I don't know. And that's outside of the department, right? Sure. Uh, I have seen a great many, since you've been there, a great, uh, more diversity, not enough. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of international students. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I'm seeing, and, I, and I'm seeing a lot of activism in the last mm, four months, right? So I, I think I'm not prepared for what I'm going to see, but I don't know how to answer.
0: Okay, well, I mean, it's in, it's in progress, right? I just wonder if like, uh, that, that, that speaks to the, to the question, you know, how the interaction between students has maybe changed, um, especially given like the temperature of things right now, like societally, it trickles down into the students.
1: Right, and I, I will say they've all made these student theater EDI positions in their student theater boards, and I'm like, well, that's good, but... Wait, what's,
0: what's EDI? Uh,
1: equity, diversion, uh, diversity and inclusion uh, ch- uh, positions, where if you have a uh, issue and something falls under that, you're going to go talk to that person, mm-hmm. but that person sometimes is the other person's roommate or the best friend, so... That's why I wonder about that structure, right? <laughs> I was supposed to be anonymous, but it's not. It's
0: pretty not objective.
1: Yeah. So, but they're, tr- but you know, I have to then applaud them because they are actually trying different things mm-hmm. to see what works. And I think that might be what's new is that they are exploring.
0: Yeah. Well, good. I mean, I guess that's what you do in school, right? It's I hope
1: good. so.
0: Yeah. Um, can you tell me, uh, How, and maybe you don't know the answer to this, but how did you learn to read the room? Do you remember the process of, to go back to the very beginning of this conversation and the letter that you have hanging on the wall about how you don't get people. You've become a person who's so good at people and reading people. Can you give me some of the like little details of that?
1: Could could you write me that letter and I could put it on my wall? (laughs) 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 Uh, I'm gonna try. Okay. Uh, first of all, I think I've realized that I started in theater. You know, I never wanted to be an actor, right? I think I started in theater so that I could watch people play out their issues and emotional stuff on stage. Yeah, And I could observe it because I didn't come from a great home where there was all this communication and all this, like I was totally lost. So I think it just started with observing those stories and how people treated each other. And then there was a moment in college where I, I remember this so clearly. I remember learning what truth was. Ooh. I just wanted someone to, t- like, I, I, everything that we you know prior to college was, had a lens that was not truth or a distortion or a heightenedness or something. And I was like, oh, truth can just be facts, right? It <laughs> could the- a certain
0: a certain play that you were watching where you came to this aha moment or what did it arise from?
1: I, if I had to attach it to a play, I think it would have been um a, a one person show, The Bell of Amherst or something. So I, I'm not sure um the play was so significant. It was probably the process of making that play and then all of the things that came after and and um and so I think I think truth was what I held on to, right? And then I practiced. I was terrible. Um I, I, try, I tried on different things. I tried on, I am the stage manager, you must, yeah, you must listen to me. <laughs> I, try, I tried the voice, and I was like, yeah, no, that doesn't work. <laughs>
0: well, a lot of stage managers get to that point and stop, like a lot of them do.
1: <laughs> right, but I was watching, I was observing, Right. And then I was sitting, I was sitting with a group of actors on a, on a, in a stairway waiting to call half hour or something. And we were all laughing and talking and there was something I needed to tell them. And I just told them. Right. And I was like, wait a minute, look at this. They all did what I just asked them to do. (laughs) Like, wait. And we were laughing and we were having a relationship. Right. Mm-hmm. So that was eye opening for me, and then, um, you know, then I used to try to will people. I'm going to will you to do this because I really need you to it
0: telepathy. <laughs>
1: yes, <laughs> <laughs> it put all my focus, and then I tried on like, oh, if you don't do this, I'm going to be pissed off at you, and I just was like, none of that is working. And I think innately, back to your point, what I had in me. Mm -hmm. And I knew I had it was like, I could do the worst job in the world. I could be pulling staples out of carpet or whatever. And I was (laughs) going to make it fun. So I was like, remember, Barbara, you're a little bit like Tom Sawyer, right? It's not the task. It's the community. It's the people. It's how you talk to each other. Yes. And I think that's really what it was. (laughs) I mean, that's
0: everything. Like. Because I think a lot, of what, a lot of what stage management is can be conceived as boring. There's a lot of paper, there's a lot of organizing, there's a lot of color-coded tabs, um, hole-punching, but if you make it into a, a game, um, then it's, just it's you're
1: just you, right? You're the funniest person in the world. And whatever you do, if you bring that to whatever you do, oh my gosh, you're gonna bring joy to someone.
0: I agree. I mean, it sounds like you extend that empathy to yourself first. Is that a, is that a thing that you, would you characterize yourself as doing that? Ooh. <laughs> Sorry, this is now might
1: be, Right. It might be where I fall off the Buddha train. <laughs> um, I'll say since I'm 12, I worked very hard at doing that. It's, uh, I think I sometimes lose balance, right? In trying to do all these things for other people, I tend to put myself not first. And that's, that's actually where I fall off the train. And yes, I get around to extending empathy to myself and it's important and sometimes I'm better at it than others. But certainly if things are on fire, mm-hmm. I might not be the best at that at the moment because I'm putting out the fire, right? So that's when I need other people to be like, just a kind thing, just make me laugh. Just like, let's look at each other and know where we are and move on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's fair, that's fair. Um,
1: I will offer you this. i have a fabulous friend who's an actress and she worked at a theater in chicago with a famous director that's famous for like not doing well with actors right and the actress never actually really complained much about that director the actress complained about the stage manager What stage manager was frozen frozen in the position of, oh, I am working for this famous director and whatever she says goes, right? It's the opposite of my early story. So, oh, you want this person to stand here and not be used but stand on stage for six hours during rehearsal and like never actually took that risk, right? To support people in the process other than serve this one personality and so the actress, fo- the actress focused on that. And she said to me, she said, Barbara, tell your students and remind them that the director leaves. Mm-hmm. And when that director leaves, that stage manager is in, in charge of that performance mm-hmm. and also with all of those other people that haven't been supported and sort of thrown under a bus. Mm-hmm. So that is no place to lead from, right? Support right. or serve.
0: Man. I didn't think about that. And yeah, that's a thing about theater that I think a lot of people don't know that once the show is up and on its feet, the director is not necessarily there in the house anymore. Uh, That the show sort of runs um, itself with the stage manager at the helm, um, which I think is a really unique professional experience where a leader kind of like sets it and forgets it a little bit. So um, I don't know. How have you found... As somebody whose job it is to to, to work quietly, uh, how have you found that that transition for yourself when you're in that role of going from being sort of second in command to being first in command? Does it does it change how you operate?
1: I don't. I don't. Um, I'll say this: the position changes, right? Mm-hmm. The second in command is fun. It is. <laughs> Says you. It is. Like, you get to play more. You get to interact with more people, actors, crew people. You get to um, not be in the hot seat, right? And that person who is in charge is actually in the hot seat. And they, you know, that's when you have to decide because you – you have to always be like, I'm the leader, I'm in the hot seat. My actions are gonna have a great impact on this room, right? Um, so do I change? In some ways, I think I probably do. I put myself more in a, let me represent the theater that I work for, sure, right? Rather than let me actually just be another person on the show that's a manager and actually putting the show together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm more aware, um, and you know it has its struggles. Sometimes I've been in that position, and I have directors or who are used to working with the same people. Mm-hmm. And in one, in one particular one, I worked with the artistic director of a, Lord Theater, and I was like, "Oh, you want me to be this male stage major that you love?" So one time I was like, "I'm just gonna put his picture right here on the side of my face." <laughs> then I was like no I can't do that but what I could do was go talk to that male stage manager and be like look what is the secret to this (laughs) so that's what I did instead so do I do I change yes all the time because that's actually the grace of the job um and then there are moments where like is that lead person stage manager people are like Actors like, oh, come to the bar, have a drink with us. And I'll be like, yes, I'm gonna be right there. But in reality, I can't go to that bar because the moment I walk into that bar, actors are like, oh, that's the stage manager and we're bitching about the play and we have two drinks in our hand and we're just gonna give her notes. And that's not, um, I guess, so I guess what I'm getting around to is there's more formal boundaries that need to be had in that lead position. Is
0: that lonely sometimes?
1: Never. Surprisingly, it's never lonely because, with, unless you're the only stage manager, but you get your team, right? And that team, I can't tell you what we do behind closed doors. <laughs> <laughs> we have so much fun and we release ourselves and we don't think about you when we go home. Like, we actually are able to get to our lives, right? So, that's why it's not lonely.
0: Good. Okay, good. That makes me feel better. <laughs> um, but I'm also just such an actor at heart, so I'm like, I want to be in a big puppy pile with everybody, and I want to be, like, on the level with them, you know? And I Sometimes
1: think- we want to be in the puppy pile, too, right? And sometimes we can be, but in a professional, like, box. But outside, it's tricky for us.
0: Sure. 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 Um, have you... Uh, what have you brought from... What you've learned as a stage manager into parenting? Or does it go the other way around?
1: (laughs) My daughter is the best teacher. (laughs) She really is. Um, I will say she never slept until she was about two for some medical reasons, but never slept. And hard, hard, hard parenting, right? But also i love this human Uh, and she would throw some fabulous fits the (laughs) best tantrums ever Uh, i've carried her out of stores on my shoulder i've done everything i can but the more engaged i was with her when she was throwing a fit the worse the fit got and so the day that i was like oh i'm really sorry you're yes have all these feelings great i'm gonna Lay you down right here you're safe and I'm gonna go to the other room and when you're done come see me that was the shortest fit ever <laughs> <laughs> right and I was like oh that's learning for me because I can't actually solve anyone's problems in a in, a, in any environment if they just need to have their feelings, right?
0: Yes. yes that's right. Yes. <laughs> so
1: let them have the feelings yeah. and, and say, and you have to put on that shield of armor as the manager and be like, these are feelings <laughs> and I have to wait because there's gotta be information here that I need to get. Yes. So you have to detach. So det- great detach, wait till the feelings are gone and then come back and have like the conversation.
0: Yes. Yes. Thank you. Oh my God! Amazing. Amazing. Um, and I don't want. I don't want to end this without asking you to to speak a little bit more about your experience with the organization that you volunteer with that you were telling me about at the beginning. Okay. Um, so uh, so give a give a spiel. Tell me what you do. Um, how can people get involved?
1: Uh, the All Stars Project was based. It's the first one's based out of New York. Mm -hmm. Uh, and they have a theater actually in New York. And what they do is they go into no-go zones. They go to places where black and brown youth are not served Mm -hmm. and they have talent shows, right? Mm -hmm. And they get students like maybe out of some questionable activities or, or bored or whatever, and they hold talent shows, right? That's the first step they do. The second step is they get them into an after-school program should they want to go and they are through performance. They teach them how to behave and be, and um, behave is the wrong word, but be and be successful in a different culture and environment than they actually are experiencing in their life. Right? Uh, so it's one-on-one training mentorship. It's all these great things. And then, On top of that, when they complete the, um, or get to a certain point in that after school development, they also then partner with businesses who give these youth paid internships.
0: Oh, incredible.
1: So they step them over, right? And then on top of that, They work with community and political leaders Mm -hmm. to actually change laws and create policy to help serve the community and these youth to make their lives better. Mm -hmm. And I've been working with them for five years. Uh, Sometimes I stage manage their fabulous fundraising luncheons. Mm -hmm. And this spring I asked myself when that luncheon didn't happen, how I could participate. So I mentored um, one-on-one, youth from, I think, uh, maybe Cicero Mm -hmm. who, uh, was a high school senior and we were putting together her resume and holding mock interviews and creating LinkedIn profiles, Mm -hmm. uh, and holding discussions about whether to go to school or not.
0: Oh, that's amazing. And it's, is it, is it mostly theater centric or like when, when these kids are getting paid internships, is it within the theater community or it's outside of that?
1: it is outside of the theater community. And I'm sure if they wanted to go into the theater community, that could be a piece of it, but um, it's just, you know, it's that thing that I think that you're trying to do, you actually are trying to do with Zany and is trying to combine theater and business or work in whatever way that, that shapes. So that's why I think it works and it's amazing. So hats off to you.
0: That's off to you. I don't even know what... Do you ever sleep? Are you one of those people who sleeps two hours a night? What's the deal?
1: No, I'm walking the El Camino. (laughs) (laughs) Now I sleep. (laughs) (laughs) It takes very little time to make an impact. It really actually does. And maybe that's how we should end this. It actually takes very little to say or do something positive.
0: I totally agree. I mean, like the way you began this conversation was calling me a radiant human and right away I just felt so seen and so comfortable and so safe and I just am so grateful for you Barbara
1: and I'm grateful for you and your humor always
0: thank you thank you well good luck walking El Camino I know you don't have any pictures to share with me but I'll imagine them (laughs) cool amazing I'll let you know when this releases okay
1: all right. Thanks. So nice to see you, by the way.
0: Oh, you too. It's such a delight.
1: Don't be a stranger.
0: Likewise. All right. Bye, Barbara. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Episode 5 of What's Betwixt Us? Stories of Working While Human. To learn more about the iconic Barbara Burton Butts and to be in touch, find her on LinkedIn and Facebook. What's Betwixt Us is powered by Zany. Designed to build trust and authentic human connection in remote workspaces. More at CANIE.APP.
1: Human first, everything else after. Human first, everything else after.